0: Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. How you doing? Good, good. Great to be back from Thailand. Thank you for everyone that prayed for me and my family while we were there ministering. It was a great time. And you know I like to start with something funny. So here we go, an elderly man in Phoenix calls his son in New York and says, son, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. 50 years of misery is enough. Pop, what are you talking about, the son screams. Well, we just can't stand the sight of each other any longer, the old man says, we're sick of each other and I'm sick of talking about this, so you call your sister in Chicago and tell her, Frantic, the son calls a sister who explodes on the phone. Like heck, they're getting a divorce, she shouts. I'll take care of this, she calls Phoenix immediately and screams at the old man. You are not getting a divorce, Dad. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back, and we'll be there tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. Do you hear me? She hangs up. The old man hangs up his phone and turns to his wife. Okay, honey, both the kids will be here tomorrow for your birthday. (laughs) And they're paying their own way. So, uh, it, it's actually my mom's birthday, and she always watches the vodcast, so happy birthday, mom. I love you. I, uh, I don't know if you've ever spent any time in China. I kept going back uh, through China this summer in my travels, and, and I love cultures, and I love the peoples of the earth. I do want to say, China can be a little overwhelming. So, there are 1.3 billion people in the country, there's more cities than, than you've even heard of that have over 10 million people, 100 cities with over a million people, and there's very little uh, love for personal space there. And uh, that's one uh, uh, of the things I like in life is to have room to stretch out, room for personal space. And so right after we fly from Thailand to China on a smoke-filled plane, by the way, we land, and instead of just ending up in a, in a sky bridge that took us into the terminal, we get crammed into a bus. So there's about a hundred people on this bus, and they drive us on a short drive, but then they just sit there and don't open the doors. And so my blood pressure's rising, and right when they open the doors, people just start pushing. And I am thinking, you know, this would go a lot faster if we just waited our turn. <laughs> and I'm realizing, okay, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to teach a whole nation a lesson in courtesy and in waiting your turn, but I thought, I can teach these hundred people, uh, because they're, they're pushing really hard, and my little kids are right there, and I'm thinking they're about to get run over, and so being about a foot and a half and a hundred pounds heavier than everyone, I step right in the door of the bus, and just boom, I stop all the traffic, and I'm going, go ahead, honey, you know, I'm acting like I'm all silver. go ahead, honey, go ahead, little kids, and the people are hitting, hitting against my back, and that's your loving pastor, by the way, and... But, you know, I'm walking through, there's a sea of people about the same height, all black hair, my family's sticking out like a sore thumb, you know, all these different smells and crammed in space. So when I finally get to our gate in Shanghai, I see this like long, lanky California surf couple and I'm like, I've got to talk to you. Like, certainly we can be friends, right? And so I walk up, hey, are you from California? They're like, yes. I'm like, me too. And, you know, they're from from San Luis Obispo. I'm like, I'm from San Diego. Like, you know, wow, we should be besties. And, 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 you know, we start talking, and, and I just feel my blood pressure going down as I'm as I'm just having this familiar experience and talking about common places and even talking about some people that we know in common. And isn't it interesting how familiarity and and like kind can make us feel in in our natural selves more at home and more at peace? And and I, I wanna say, you know, that's how most communities in the world are formed, it's through uh, like kind. It's through homogenous culture. I, I remember in college joining this fraternity and we prided ourselves in unity. And I remember after following Jesus for a couple of years in college that like the blinders went off me and I'm like, no wonder we're unified. Everyone's the exact same age. Everyone looks the same. They have the exact same interests, exact same ethnic background, exact same economic status. Like, no wonder we feel so unified. And unfortunately, that goes into many churches. You know, you've, you've probably heard before, people say, well, that's the young people's church, or that's the hipster church, or that's the artist church, or, or that's the, the African church. And, and you know, it doesn't take a move of the spirit to unify people that are all the same. That just happens everywhere, in every city, Every country around the world, you're gonna find people gathering that are like kind. But I think that's why I was so deeply encouraged on Wednesday night at our church picnic. As I walked up and I saw people of every age group, from little babies to seniors, from every ethnic background, you guys know if you've been with us for any amount of time, we have over 50 countries represented in this church that as I walk from group to group and I, I, I talk to ultra-educated people and people that have very meager educations, people that have a lot of means, very wealthy, people that other people would say are, are very poor, and yet this group coming together and loving each other and being a community of, of deep, deep compassion for one another, how does that happen? It happens through grabbing a hold of a community mindset. And that's what the Apostle Paul was consistently infusing into the churches he planted. I want to look with you today at the book of Philippians. We're going to look at Philippians chapter one, but first let me just give you this theme verse that Paul gives us in Philippians two as he's talking about being a community that unifies together. He says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset. Say mindset, church. Today we're gonna talk about mindsets. We're gonna talk about moving from an individualistic mindset to a community mindset. I'm gonna quickly give you six mindset changes, six mindset questions to ask yourself that if we lay hold of, we'll become the kind of New Testament church that the Lord dreamed of. We're gonna start in Philippians 1, verse one. We're only gonna read the first eight verses because just these eight verses are pregnant with this mindset transformation that the Lord wants us to have. Starts with this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Let me give you some background on this powerful book. The book of Philippians was written in AD 62. It's written by the apostle Paul. Paul is actually imprisoned in Rome at the time that he pens this book. He's he's writing to a a church that he was instrumental in planting. If you remember in Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul has this vision of this Macedonian man calling him over saying, please come and help us. And so Paul goes, answers that call. Philippi is in Macedonia. He goes to Philippi and although God has called him there, it didn't make it easy. How many of you know that just because God asks you to do something doesn't mean it's going to be easy? A lot of times we give up when things get challenging. We go, well, God must have not asked me to do this. He must not have spoken this because it's getting hard. No, sometimes God calls us into hard things so his power can be made manifest in our weakness. Can I just tell you that sometimes it's hard to live in community and his power is made manifest in our weakness, so he goes to Philippi, He scourged there, he's put in shackles there, and yet Paul writes with this deep affection. A lot of times if we have a bad experience somewhere, we're like, you know, shake the dust off my feet, right? And I was just saying that about China. But, but <laughs> Paul, he's filled with the Spirit about it. I love China, by the way. Paul, Paul is talking with this great love to the church in Philippi. And, and uh, here's the amazing thing about this book, is you see... This great joy expressed. Paul, he's in prison, and he's telling these people to be joyful. It's absolutely amazing. So let's dissect this line by line, and I want to give you some community mindsets that we want to adhere to. First, it starts with this, the first three words, Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy. Now, you might not notice anything about that until you start thinking that Paul was the man. Right, Paul is a man's Man, I mean, when he comes onto the scene, he's persecuting the church. He's beating them up. He's throwing them down. He's imprisoning them. But Paul also, he's intellectually superior to everyone. He's a brainiac. He's a schooled Pharisee. Then he's moving in tremendous spiritual power when he gets saved. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's raising the dead. Paul was a tough guy. He went through shipwrecks and survived. He got beaten and he endured. I mean, this guy, if there's one guy who could be the man, it's Paul. Yeah, I, I think about growing up, I had this affinity, this this love for cowboys. You know, I just thought, cowboys, I wanted to be a cowboy. I had my boots, my hat, one of my favorite pictures as a kid is me sitting in a tree going, like this, with this cowboy hat on it. I, I grew up on a little ranch, and then my parents would take me to rodeos, but here's really how my love for cowboys grew On Sunday mornings, this is before DVR, before DVD, before cable, the only time the Lone Ranger would come on was Sunday mornings during church. So I might have exaggerated sicknesses at times, maybe, (laughs) to stay home from church and watch the Lone Ranger. I know you would never do that, but that was the only time I could watch the Lone Ranger. And through watching the Lone Ranger, I learned about being a lone Ranger, right, the one guy who rides into town and sets every, everything straight, you know, and, and he's not the only one. It's like John Wayne, right, just walking in, the Duke, right, and he'd lumber into town, all these evil men, and he'd just take them all out. And, and and I adopted in my mindset this, you know, if you're a real man, you do it alone. And, and I saw a generation of men shaped by that, that it's just me against the world, carving out my little piece of the American dream. If anyone could have been like that, it was Paul. He had all the goods, he had all the power, he had all the intellect, but instead Paul starts the book of Philippians, Paul and Timothy. And you could actually write in there for Timothy, it could say Paul and mama's boy. Because, because if you've ever read, when Paul starts talking to Timothy, he's like, hey, and Timothy, remember all the, the faith that you got from your mama, right? I'm sure Timothy was like, thanks, Paul, right? You know, I'm trying to be a man over here in front of my church. And you're like, hey, think about that that you got from your mama and your grandma. And if that's not enough, in the middle of the book, Paul interrupts his writing instruction about Timothy fighting this fight and running the race to say, hey, and Timothy, I need to give you a little medical prescription for your weak stomach right? He's like, drink a little wine for your stomach, right? I mean, poor, poor guy. He's a mama's boy, and he needs, you know, a prescription in the middle of a Bible book, right? And, <laughs> and, and so, you know, I like to, to, I like to think of myself as this rough, rugged outdoorsman, but this, this actually really gives me a lot of hope because sometimes I can be high maintenance. You know, this could have been Paul and the high maintenance minister, mama's boy, Timothy, Right? I I get back from traveling. I just went on three international trips. People are like, man, you're tough, and and, and you're here at at the the churchwide picnic, and I'm like glazed over. You you probably noticed I had sunglasses on all night, so you wouldn't see the bags under my eyes, and what you don't know is that, yeah, I might have traveled on three international trips, but I took two travel pillows with me (laughs) and a little sleeping eye patch and earplugs and a white noise maker. So I can relate here. And, and I'm so I'm thankful that Paul is is saying this community mindset number one, I need partnership. I need partnership. Right? If we're gonna be authentic believers, we're gonna need partnership. Some people say, well, you know, it's just me and Jesus, or you know, me and the father, we have our we have our own. Me and the man upstairs, we have our own relationship. I wanna say that's not a biblical relationship, then. Do you know that God, the, the, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, one, be imitators of God. Do you know that God loves partnership? He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's not doing it alone. Do you, do you know that Jesus, and you think, well, it's just Jesus. No, Jesus always traveled with his disciples. Jesus didn't do anything without his disciples right by him. You need partnership. I want to tell you that In order for you to live out your destiny in God, you need kingdom partners. You need community. You need community. Uh, I had this great time uh, in Guatemala a couple weeks ago with my college roommate, and God showed me this through my college roommate like probably no one else how much I need... Partnership. I, I can be a pretty strong personality. I can be a hard charging leader. But what I realized is God brought me with Robert Fuller, and we had so much fun being on the streets of Guatemala singing the old songs we used to sing in college to, to gather a crowd, doing our little act. But, you know, so much more than just being a singing conglomerate, I realized in college wow, the way Robert sees life is different than me. I, just, I can just push people. I can expect everyone to do the same things I do, but he celebrates their differences. He's compassionate. He takes more time to check up on people, and that changed me. It changed me to see the world through his eyes, and for him to challenge me, I realize I need partnership. Can I just ask you today, who are your kingdom partners? The way this church is gonna go deep in community is when you start telling people you actually need them in your life. Do you know how great that makes you feel when you're actually told that you're needed? Community mindset number two. We see this in the the second part of verse one. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Servants of Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus is the one who modeled this. Paul, Paul could have come and said, hey, I'm the smartest, I'm the brightest, I'm the most powerful, but instead he comes and says, hey, we're servants, and who did he get this from? He got this from Jesus. Listen to what Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says. It says, the son of man, talking of Jesus, did not come to serve, but to, I mean, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, this is amazing. The king of kings steps onto the earth, and instead of just expecting people to come and wait on him hand and foot, he instead comes, gets down on his knees, and washes his feet. He's the one who's distributing food. He's the one laying hands on people with all kinds of infectious diseases and serving them, touching the poor, gathering little children. This is the model of Jesus. You know, serving opens the door for people to trust us. I was thinking about a, a, a woman in our life group, Wendy Fung. She's amazing at serving people. Even this morning, I got an email from her first thing this morning. Hey, I want you to know it's this person's birthday in our life group. Let's celebrate them. She's always serving people. And because she serves people, people trust her. And so she's always bringing people who don't know Jesus into our life group because she's served them. They come and they get saved with us because They've trusted Wendy. Why? Because they've seen that she serves with no strings attached. Do you know how we're going to change this city? By serving the city. We want to be a church that serves people. We want to be a, a church that lays down our life for people. I, I, the other thing is, when you serve, it builds incredible bonds. We just had the opportunity to be with, with our pastors, Jimmy and Laura Seibert, and We had the opportunity to be a part of the the leadership of the whole uh, larger Antioch movement with them, but that's not how we started. Steph and I in college were in their little college group and and Stephanie would just offer to babysit their kids. They had a big family and she could see that they were busy and so she'd offer to babysit. For me, I offered to drive them when they needed uh, drives to the airport a couple hours away and so we logged hours of serving and you know what God did? He knit our hearts together as we laid our, down our lives for them. And now we have deep friendship after 20 years. Do you know the people that you serve will often become your closest friends? Amen. Amen, You know, this is the kind of community that we're called to build. And you know, it's not just a group of people in this church. Well, he has the gift of service, so let him serve. <laughs> I have the gift of receiving, so I'll receive. Now, it's not like that. We're we're all servants. There's no job that's too important to serve. One of my one of the things I like to do uh, during the week is I'll, I'll have discipleship appointments. But a lot of times I'll spend time with guys and we'll walk around picking up trash. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have a lot less discipleship appointments this coming week because you heard that. But uh, why do we do that? First of all, I hate trash laying around. But second of all, is we want to show there's no position too high to do the dirtiest jobs. Right? That's the kind of people we want to be, that we're called to lay down our lives and, and serve other people, and that garners trust when people see that you're a servant. Community mindset number three. This comes also from the second part of verse one and verse two. Paul says this, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Community mindset number three is this. I have a high view of people. I have a high view of people. You know, it doesn't take long to notice that people have warts, that they have blemishes, that they make mistakes. But Paul here was choosing to see the body of Christ as saints and not sinners. Paul's looking at these people, they're they're brand new believers, he's a spiritual giant, these people are pretty new in the Lord and yet Paul is saying, you're God's holy people. How, How do you see the body of Christ? How do you choose to see your fellow believers? Do you know how you choose to see your fellow believers will actually affect how they live their lives? This is actually scientifically proven. This is called the Pygmalion effect or or self-fulfilling prophecies. Uh, There was a study done about 100 years ago in a California elementary school where these teachers were told some of these students, you're gonna have a group of students that have very high IQs. The problem is they didn't put all the kids with the high IQs in that group. And so these teachers... Came in to teach these group of students, and they had these high expectations, and they treated them like they were going to shoot the shoot the lights out on their test scores. And guess what? At the end of the year, they did. But it wasn't because they had gathered all the students with the high IQs. It was because that's what the teachers thought that these students were. Uh, Let me explain it through this little model here. This shows that that uh, circular motion of the Pygmalion effect. So this is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It starts with what others believe about us. So these teachers believed these students all had really high IQs. So what did it do? It caused them, caused these teachers to treat them a specific way. So they had these actions towards these students. It's like Paul saying, you're a saint. You're God's holy people. So he treated them like that. So watch what happens next. It reinforces the beliefs in those students. Wow, I'm a genius. Wow, I'm smart. Well, then I should should act like that. So watch what happens next. It influences their actions. So all of a sudden, the students are scoring high on their test scores because they're treated like geniuses. Do you know that when you come in and and treat the body of Christ like a bunch of sinners, it's just going to bring pain in our hearts and and you're going to get how you treat people. But you come in and you build them up. And you come in and you expect the best. And you call the gold out of people. You know what? They're going to rise to what you believe about them. The Bible actually says that there's power of life and death in the tongue. You start speaking positive of people. I mean, you know this. You start telling a kid that they're powerful, that they're smart, that they're amazing, and they start rising to that. You beat down a kid. I I, I was actually hearing a scientific study where someone would get a plant and just curse that plant, say, you're a dumb plant. You're never gonna grow. You're a loser plant. And you know what, that plant, that plant would be stunted. Some of you guys are so compassionate. You're like, oh a plant, guys. But you speak to that plant and say, you're a beautiful plant. You're going to grow. Do you know that it actually has a physical effect on a plant? How much more the body of Christ? Let me just ask you, are you building up the body of Christ through your words? Are you speaking life? Are you calling out the gold? Let's be a people who have great expectations and who believe that the grace and peace of God, like Paul said, is working in the body of Christ. And so this group of people is going to do extraordinary things. Amen. Amen. I'm about to. (laughs) Community mindset number four. I am thankful for my community. I am thankful for my community. Now, here's what I know about most humans. We have to choose thankfulness. Most people don't just wake up in the morning, you know, you've just open your eyes and you're like, I am overwhelmed with thankfulness. I am so happy to be awake right now. Yes, I get to get up. I get to go to work. I get to see people. No, that, that's not how most of us are. Most days when we wake up, we need to choose, you have to choose an attitude of gratitude. You have to exercise the muscle of thankfulness. But when we do, it ushers us into the presence of God. Psalm 100 says, you enter into his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. You enter into his courts with praise. We did this exercise in our time in Thailand as we were uh, with this group of, of Asian missionaries, one of the speakers got up and said, okay, I want to do an, an exercise with you. I want you to look around the room, and I want you to look and see in this room people that you're thankful for, and I want you to write them down on a list. So just look around, look around this room, who am I thankful for? And then put a little dash by their name and write why you're thankful for them. Maybe they did something for you. Maybe the way they live their life is inspiring to you. Maybe they said a kind word for you at one time. Maybe you just always respected them for for the way they've done something. Write that down. And then he said, at the end of our time, we're gonna stand up, and I wanna encourage you to go to to the people that are on your list and tell them, you're on my thankful list, and here's why. You know, I, I had two experiences from that exercise. The first is, as I was writing down names, and what people had meant to me, my heart was warmed. And, and I started having these fond memories and I was, I just started going, oh, oh, I like that person. Oh, I'm so thankful, wow, I'm so thankful for, for this history with this person or this interaction with this person. But you know what else it did? And me, for the rest of the day, different people would come up and say, you're on my thankful list, Robert. And the, the way you loved me here, the way you spoke this to me here, the way you prayed for me, there, the way you lived your life this way. And by the end of the day, I was so encouraged to be a part of that community. Can we just take a minute to do that? Here, will you pull out your phone for a second? Or uh, maybe if you still use a pen and paper, um, we're thankful for you. And will you just look around the room and... and um, you know, if you're new, you might not be able to do this. Well, let me just tell you, if you're new here, I'm thankful for you. Thank you for taking the time to worship with us. You're our honored guest, so be encouraged. So I'm thankful for you. But for many that that are, are regular members here, would you just look around the room, and, and, and who are you thankful for? And just write down their name. And then write down, and, and just watch if that doesn't build your heart up, if it doesn't encourage you. And, and since and, and lets you sense the presence of God and, and and if you're with your spouse make sure and put them on your thankful list and if you can't put them on your thankful list make sure you come to our strength in marriage day and if you're single in here and you see someone across the room that you'd like to be thankful for go ahead and write them down that'd be a great introduction to ask them for a date later on all right I wanna encourage you at the end of our service when we, we start our ministry time, feel free to just get up and go share with someone that they're on your thankful list. And that's one of the ways that we build community. Community mindset number five. I build up my community through prayer. I build up my community through prayer, Verse four, five, and six. Of mental facilities that he could use to build the body of Christ. But the main thing, as you read the epistles, that you see Paul doing is that he's on his knees praying for each church. Can I just tell you that's the greatest gift you can give our community is praying for this church? I thought I'd get a few more amens. Here is why Paul did this Paul did this because he knew that God worked in response to his prayers. And, and Paul actually knew God is faithful to carry out work. Paul, Paul understood this, when I pray, God changes things. Like God answers prayers. Do you, do you believe that or is prayer just a religious thing for you? I, I love being in a church where every week I hear about answers to prayers. Every, there's not a week that goes by that I don't hear about someone that's physically healed in this church, some very minor healings, some very dramatic healings. But God is moving in physical healing in response to your prayers. It was amazing yesterday, being at the Freedom Day, as the room was packed out, and God was healing people emotionally. We asked God to start moving and to come into some of the most painful uh, memories of the past, and a couple hundred hands were raised saying, yes, I am experiencing Jesus right now. I'm seeing him, or hearing him, or feeling him. Come and touch me. Can I just tell you, God answers prayers. Our responsibility is to pray. His responsibility is to work. Our responsibility is to pray. He says, pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to bring the heavenly reality to earth, but how do we do it? It's through prayer. You know, you're sitting in here and you go, I don't know if I really like all people's church that much. (laughs) Then pray for us. (laughs) Pray that God would change us to make us a church that you like more. (laughs) You know? Gosh, my life group, it's kind of boring. Well, pray that it won't be. Right, A lot of times what annoys us the most, what troubles us the most, is, is the very thing we're called to pray for. Huh. What, what might be annoying you most is the very thing that you're called to intercede for. So that God can use those prayers to bring transformation. Paul understood, I change things through prayer by the Spirit's power. Here we go, last one. Community mindset number six. Community mindset number six. I have the affections of Christ for my community. Really, this is the the foundation. This This is really the crux of the whole message. I have the affections of Christ for my community. Verse seven and eight, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. Okay, some of us that grew up in church, about half of this room grew up in church, and some of you in your churches were taught to divorce feeling from intellect. Here, here is the, the greatest intellectual giant of the day, a man of faith who's talking about his feelings. Can I just tell you that God is an integrated God? He's a God of intellect. He's a God of emotion. Right? God is a God of justice, and he's a God of mercy. Right? He's a God of discipline. He's a God of compassion. And so here is the Apostle Paul talking about his feelings. Can I tell you, it's right to have feelings about the body of Christ. Because goes, I, I feel this way about you, why? Because I have you in my heart, right? It's right to carry people in your heart. Do you carry the body of Christ in your heart? Do you carry people in this church in your heart? You know, I think most of us know how to carry our family in our heart, but do you understand that this is a spiritual family? Do you know that you're called to carry this family in your heart? And, and a person can tell when you carry them in your heart. And so Paul says, it's right for you that I feel this way about you. I have you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel. He's saying, whether it's a really bad day for me or whether I'm out doing the stuff. All of you sharing God's grace with me. God, watch this, watch this verse. This is the, the main verse I wanna highlight this morning. God can testify how I long for all of you. Can I just ask you, do you, do you long to be with the body of Christ? Do you long to be with the people of God? Do you you have a desire to spend time with people in the body of Christ? When you you meet a fellow Christian, does something in your heart rise up? Because you're like, you are actually a brother. You're actually a sister. You know, I, I might only be on this earth another 20 years, but I'll be with you forever. I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I remember when I first started grasping this and I realized I don't have the affection of Jesus for people. And I started praying, God, would you change my heart? I remember it came when I read Matthew nine thirty-five through 38 where it talks about when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, his heart was broken, and he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I remember starting to ask God, God, would you put that compassion in me for people? Because so many times, I just go about my day thinking about me. And I would love to actually think about other people. And I started praying that all the time. God, would you break my heart for people who don't know you? Would you break my heart for the lost? And I remember the first time that started happening, I walked into a Walmart, of all places. I was just going to like get socks or something. And I, I walk into the, to the very middle of the store and there's just a sea of people. And, and and you remember me i i like my personal space and so i knew it wasn't normal when i was looking at the sea of people and all of a sudden tears started coming out of the side of my eyes and i thought what is happening to me i need some sleep or maybe i've watched too many hallmark movies and, and but tears start coming from my eyes and i started feeling this pain in my heart and i realized oh my goodness, I am feeling broken for these the sea of people who do not know Jesus. And I started feeling like a father wanting to draw on his kids and say, God loves you. He cares about you. He cares about your problems. He cares about your issues. He wants to draw you in. Have you had that experience? Can I just tell you, that is not the normal Robert. But it came through praying and asking God, God, give me the affections of Christ. Have you asked for the affections of Christ? Have you asked for the affections of Christ for the body of Christ? I remember when that first started happening to me. It was down in front in a ministry time years ago and us life group leaders were praying for people and I was laying my hands on a person and just asking God to speak to me about them and I'm, I'm praying for them and all of a sudden I start weeping over them. I'm like, what is happening to me? And I realized, no, I'm feeling the Father's affections and emotions for this person can I just tell you that God wants to put that in your heart for his children? I mean, some of you can, can, can kind of relate to this because you're a parent and, and, and you had one of those days, you know, one of those days where everything goes wrong and your kids, you know, are out of control and you think they might need deliverance, you know? And... Um, <laughs> or at least a good psychiatrist, and, and they are driving you crazy, and they're, they're saying even mean things, and finally you get them to bed, and you're like, thank you, God. I made it. I didn't kill them. They're in bed. And you walk off, and then you walk back in the room, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I love you. Oh, my little angel. They have not been an angel. They have been anything but an angel. But now your heart is overwhelmed. Why? It's because they belong to you. They're yours. You're their father, you're their mother and so you have this affection. Not because of how good they've been, not because they perform, not because they're the shiniest, the brightest, the most brilliant, but because they're yours. They're your family. You know, that's the kind of affection that Jesus wants to put in us for his body, for this community. That you don't just look at someone and go, you know, you're nice, you're a jerk. Right, you gave me a nice cup of coffee out at the guest cafe, you, you know, you stole my seat, right, and. <laughs> uh, but instead, you, you feel his affection. You're a beloved child of God. You know what happens when those affections start flowing through us? Is people get their hearts healed. Because right. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, here's what I know about humanity. A lot of people in this room did not grow up with affirming parents, You didn't grow up hearing, you're loved, you're treasured, you're valuable, you have worth, I love you, I'm glad you're here. You might have heard the opposite. But you know, when the body of Christ starts being filled with the affections of Christ, we're able to look at people and say, I'm glad you're here. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. We're able to call out the gold in them. You have a gift of mercy. You have a gift of helps. You have a prophetic call on your life. We're able to start valuing people that never felt valuable. The ones who were never invited to the cool table in the cafeteria, and in fact, sat many lunches all alone, are all of a sudden brought right into the center of community. And their hearts start getting healed, and we stamp identity on them and they start feeling like a million bucks the the kid with two left feet that never got invited to play on the sports team they were always the last picked all of a sudden they're they're smack dab in the middle of our community being celebrated for who they are in christ and they're healed with love and they're stamped with identity and they're valued and they're put right in the center of the body of Christ and people start getting their lives transformed and it spills into marriages and it spills through families and it goes into schools and it floods through businesses and all of a sudden the love of Christ is coming like a wave trampling over the darkness and the evil and the pain of this world. That is what people are looking for. They're looking for a community of love. But it happens through the affections of Christ overwhelming our hearts. Just stand up with me? I wanna finish today by asking God to give us a community mindset. Would you just think through these six mindsets and ask the Lord, which one do you need? A transformation in thinking. Is it partnership? Maybe you haven't thought you needed partnership. But Paul and Timothy. Is it is it being a servant? You've you've just expected to come into church and and, and this church just needs to serve me. And instead, God say no. You're going to get the most out of it if you become like Jesus and you become a servant. What is it for you today? Would you just close your eyes with me? And I just ask you right now to just place your hand right on the front of your forehead and to say, oh God, would you give me the mindset of Christ? Would you give me that same mind that Paul talked about in our relationships with each other, have this mindset Lord, would you change our mindsets as a church, Lord? First and foremost, as a pastor of this church, Lord, so oftentimes I have an individualistic mindset and not a communal mindset. Won't you change me? God, won't you change every man, every woman, every student, every teen, every child in this room? Won't you change us to be the kind of community that you dreamed of? One of the things I wanna do right now is just invite you to practice thankfulness. If you wrote someone down in this room, I just encourage you. It's not always what's done in church, but I just encourage you right now to get out of your seat and just go. It was beautiful watching it in the last service. Just go to people in this room and just say, hey, you're on my thankfulness and I just wanna tell you why. I just wanna free you up to do that right now. I need some people to come up to be the prayer team right now, though but you just feel free even now to just start stepping across the, the the aisle, start making your ways. We're just gonna be the body of Christ right now. If I could also have some prayer team come forward because some of you really need healing in this area. You need you need healing. Can I have some more prayer team? Like more than zero. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, you too today, you might say, you know, my my heart is full of pain in the area of community. We want to pray for you. We also want to pray for those that need healing, physical healing this morning. We'd like to pray for you as well. We want to lay hands on you and and ask God to to touch your heart this morning. And some of you, you know, you you, you haven't become a part of the body of Christ. You say, I don't know if I know God. I don't know if I know Jesus. I want to tell you, he died on the cross to forgive your sins. You don't become a part of the church by doing enough good things or having perfect attendance. You you become a part of his family by receiving the gift of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. He saves us. And if you need to give your life to Jesus, I wanna invite you forward. I need a few more life group leaders, a few more training school students to come up and be the prayer team. But if you need prayer this morning, God's tugging on your heart. I wanna invite you to just come forward right now And let's just be the body of Christ. Let's encourage each other today. Let's pray for each other today. As Stephen leads us in this last song.